are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show heading into the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about Charity's Bachelorette season, a little bit about what I brought up a couple days ago, or actually what Jason Mesnick brought up a couple days ago, saying that Zach was not supposed to be the Bachelor this season, and the chain of events that happens if he isn't the Bachelor. Um, We got some pop culture news. Pete Davidson coming back to SNL to host. Minka Kelly has a memoir coming out. And she talks a lot about her relationship on the set of Friday Night Lights with Taylor Kitsch, known as Tim Riggins. I've got some thoughts. And on the heels of yesterday's weekly podcast, reviewing Pretty in Pink, there are some things I didn't go over in that that I want to touch on briefly, and then something that led me down a rabbit hole last night that I couldn't believe. Anyway, we will get to all that momentarily. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences Each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, a lot of little things to get to here. Let's first off start in Bachelorette World, where Charity went on her second hometown date yesterday. It was in Pennsylvania with Joey Graziati. And no, no pictures got out, no videos got out. And I say it every season, I know people don't listen, but it is what it is. Sometimes all four hometowns get out, and sometimes none get out. Sometimes one gets out, sometimes two, sometimes three. This Saturday, I can guarantee you stuff is going to get out because they sent out an email to get a crowd to show up at a football field in Houston for Charity and Aaron's Aaron's hometown date. So I got to believe those people are going to be allowed to use phones and they're going to take pictures and whatnot. So definitely going to get at least one, but nothing got out yesterday as far as I know. The only thing I know about yesterday's date is, and and Joey's background is in tennis. He played tennis in high school. He played, he, after high school, he has been a tennis pro at country clubs. He's a tennis ambassador in Hawaii. Um, what I do know is that yesterday's hometown date consisted of playing tennis with charity. And I believe his, somewhat, one of his relatives, I want to say his uncle, is a big tennis, a former tennis pro. So he was involved as well, but unfortunately no pictures got out. And look, I mean, if they went to a private place, (laughs) country club, I wouldn't expect it. But that's what I know about yesterday's hometown date. So we've had two, no pictures or videos have gotten out of either that I have seen. So 
But we know, I mean, the, the most important part is we know who the four hometowns are. So that's good. I, I want to read this email that I got because I didn't really think about this at the time. But a couple days ago when Jason Mesnick went on the Almost Famous podcast hosted by Bob Guinea and Trista Sutter, and he talked about, like, hey, they had contacted me to be the former bachelor to come back and give advice because I was a single dad, and the bachelor was supposed to be a single dad, and then he had some negative information come out about him. And the night before Jason was supposed to fly out, they just told him, like, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction, which means that Nate Mitchell was supposed to be the bachelor this season. And when you think about it, it is kind of weird. What's it called? The domino effect? Because here's this email that I got. It said, hey, Steve, it looks like your expose on Nate changed the course of history. If Nate were the bachelor, Zach would not be with Katie. Gabby would not be pining about Zach. Charity could have wound up with Nate. Greer, Kat, or Jess could be Bachelorette. Interesting what could have turned out. Very true. All things that have to be considered. The biggest one being Zach would never have met Katie if he doesn't become the Bachelor. Although, maybe it's possible he actually could since they both are in Austin. Um, maybe they could have ran into each other, but I mean, obviously that's impossible to predict. If Nate were The Bachelor, we don't even know if people like Katie, Gabby, Greer, Kat, or Jess are still cast on the show if they go with a single dad. And because they would ask these women, are you still interested? And some, maybe these women would have said no. Maybe some would have said yes. We really have no idea when it comes to that. The biggest thing we can take from it is Zach would not be with Katie. And Charity might have ended up with Nate. And she wouldn't be the Bachelorette. And then whoever decided to stay on Nate's season could have ended up being the Bachelorette like this email suggested. Maybe Greer, maybe Kat, maybe Jess. We don't know. But it is an interesting chain of events that happens, the domino effect of everything. And, you know, as you know, my reporting has changed in the last three years. And I wasn't going to report anything about Nate unless Kelsey came forward. And I told her that. But then when she sent me over a Google folder of 35 pictures, I was like, okay, she's serious. She she clearly has a past with him. This isn't just, oh, he was a guy that I was seeing for a few months, and oh my gosh, I just saw him on The Bachelorette, and I didn't even know he had a daughter. It was obviously a lot more serious than that. If you don't remember it, just go back to my reporting during Gabby and Rachel's season, and you'll see all of it. And you'll see everything that I posted uh, from the Google Drive that she sent me, the timeline where she laid out everything. I don't think he should have been The Bachelor based on that. It just sounded like he was a guy that was a player. And I've heard things post that incident and post Kelsey and that nothing's changed. You know, remember he went and sat there with Jesse on the, on the men tell all. And Jesse asked him, what have you learned? And, Oh, I got to have more communication and do this and that. I've heard things haven't changed. So it's, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to look back on it now and think, wow, what if Nate would have ended up being the bachelor? How many of these women would have stayed on the cast? Would charity have ended up with Nate? Like, we don't know. Maybe Charity doesn't even want to go on Nate's season. I, you just you never know, but it is an interesting turn of events. And um, I knew when I heard back in August, I was like, this is serious. And then when I got that picture of Nate and his daughter getting the tour of Disneyland, which 
at the time when I reported, I said, look, this is like an this is like a six or eight thousand dollar tour. If the average person wants to take it, you're being led around by people in the park and it's a big deal. And they're not doing this for just somebody who happens to be out in L.A. for the men tell all. No, he's there because he is set to be the next bachelor. And then all of a sudden I started hearing things that he wasn't. And according to Jason, he was basically told, yeah, we had some negative things. Producer told him, yeah, negative things came out about our bachelor, so we're going to go in a different direction. Crazy. Crazy how things happen, but that's life. Um, I wanted to briefly talk about Survivor last night because Matt did his post-show, his exit interview with EW.com and Dalton Ross, and the biggest thing was Matt addressed the fact that he is still with Franny, and they are still dating, which is sounds like it's pretty solid, because remember, this was filmed last April, May, so we're coming up on a year, I assume, that these two have been together, and now I'm sure, because I saw something when I was scrolling my Instagram search bar, a picture of them, so it's not like I, apparently they've been hiding it. I just didn't follow either of them, so I didn't know until the interview, but maybe it's already been out there that they, yeah, everybody kind of knew that they were dating, and, you know, good for them, but Matt still says to this day, like, hey, I understand why she did it. Um, He said he wouldn't have personally done it himself if it was the other way around. He said he would have dropped, and, and he would have been safe, and Franny would have been safe, but in the same breath says, look, I don't blame her and I'm not mad at her for it. And I hope, you know, so clearly they're fine. And who knows? Like, I don't know any survivor spoilers. I don't want to know any survivor spoilers, but maybe Franny ends up winning this thing. And uh, if she gets to the final three, that's a hell of a story that she gets to tell. And usually one of the jury members during that final conversation usually always asks, what was your biggest move in the game? What do you think kind of puts you over the edge and why should we vote for you? And Franny's got that one in her back pocket. She might have other stuff coming up where she makes a move. I don't know. Hell, she could be gone next episode. I have no idea. I don't want to know. But if she gets to the final three, she's got that in her back pocket. And I think that's a hell of a feather to have in your cap to present to the jury of, look, we were very close. I did not think I could see myself without him in this game, and yet I still went out there and wanted to win, and I was thinking more about the team than my showmance. And I think that's, I mean, it's smart gameplay, but maybe some people will buy and Maybe some people will be like, wow, that is, she could have done that. I mean, maybe they see it right now, but, or when I say right now, I mean at the time it happened, they were thinking to themselves, wow, she could have just saved Matt, and she didn't. That's a really big move. So we'll see how it plays out as the rest of the season plays out. Interesting Saturday Night Live news. Pete Davidson has only been off the cast for less than a year, and they're bringing him back to host the May 6th episode of Saturday Night Live. It's not the season finale, but he is going to host, and he's always had kind of a weird relationship with SNL because he was really more known for the women that he dated than he was for any real hilarious bits that he was ever in on that show. And any sketches, um, you know, I, I just, there's, there's nothing that Pete ever did that ever stuck out to me as hilarious. I thought his best stuff, honestly, 
when he was on Weekend Update and he would just riff about things and almost like do a stand-up routine at Weekend Update. But any of his characters, what's the one stoner dude that would just be like, okay, I forget his name. That's really his only character that I even remember that was a consistent recurring character. It wasn't Andy. It wasn't Paul. I'm totally blanking on that character's name. Oh, wait, it was Chad. That's right. Chad. And it was just, and it was the same thing every time. But that's what Saturday Night Live does. Every time you get a recurring character, they literally do the same thing in every skit. And, and I'm going back years, not even just the current cast. You go back years and, you know, what did the church lady do in every skit? It was the same lines over and over. What did, I mean, just, just think of any character. You'll, you'll, you'll remember. Um, it was always repeating the same lines over and over and kind of doing the same bit over and over. But yeah, he was never like a star on Saturday Night Live yet. He was probably the most famous cast member just because of who he was dating. Remember he started dating Ariana Grande and then they got engaged in like two weeks or something ridiculous. And then they were getting tattoos of each other and then they broke up. And then I remember he did a uh, whole thing on weekend update talking about his breakup with Ariana Grande and then the Kim Kardashian stuff like it, it this guy it's unbelievable how much how much women love that guy and I've seen his stand-up you know me I love watching stand-up and stand-up is completely subjective you know somebody that you think is downright knee slapping hilarious I might be like yeah they're okay and vice versa I've seen his stand-up I, there's nothing about his stand-up that strikes me as, wow, this guy is really good. He just seems like he has very much the stoner mentality up on stage. And that works for some people. Doesn't work for others. I think he's okay. I never thought he was great. Um, I guarantee when he hosts SNL on May 6th, he's going to do the Chad bit because that's his only recurring character. And maybe he does a, a video short. He was He was good in those. But, yeah, just be prepared. Pete Davidson coming back to SNL on May 6th. So there was another story that broke yesterday. Well, I didn't even know this, but Minka Kelly, who played Lila Garrity on Friday Night Lights, the TV show, which is in my top three television shows of all time. It's 24, it's Lost, and it's Friday Night Lights. 24 is number one, and I go back and forth between Lost and Friday Night Lights. And I want to say, I want to break my stuff out into categories because if you ask me, well, what are your favorite high school shows? Well, I loved The O.C., I loved Beverly Hills 90210, and I loved Friday Night Lights. But I can't rank them. They're While they're all high school shows, they're different to me. And um, anyway, she has a memoir coming out, Minka Kelly. And in this memoir, she talks about the fact that her and Taylor Kitsch, who played Tim Riggins on the show, had a very toxic relationship. They were always on and off, and that affected her relationship with the rest of the cast. She said, all the effort I might have invested in connecting consistently with the girls on the show went to Taylor. So when my relationship with Taylor became toxic, I had no one to turn to. And she goes on to say a lot of people... Every time we broke up, they would always side with him. She was warned by director Peter Berg not to date him on the show, yet they still did. But the biggest thing was she got lonely 
on set because everyone seemed to side with Taylor every time they broke up. And it was just a lot of awkwardness when they had to shoot scenes. And she said, when we did have to shoot scenes during our breakup times on the day, quote on the days we had to work together and we were broken up, he didn't want to be in the hair and makeup trailer at the same time. I was, we couldn't ride in the van together from base camp to set for the same reason on those days, the tension on the set was high and everyone felt the awkwardness. First off, let me just say this. If you have not seen Friday Night Lights, the TV show, I, I'm telling you, it is top. It, it might be the best high school show ever. And that's saying a lot. And you might be like, okay, isn't it about football in Texas? I mean, yes, the setting is football. There are clips during football games but anyone that's seen the show knows it's so much more than football, that show. Uh, it's about relationships. Um, you could easily argue, and I've said this for years, that uh, the head coach, Coach Eric Taylor, and his wife, Tammy Taylor, have the most realistic television marriage I've ever seen. Ever. Because every marriage you see on television is basically what television wants you to think marriage is. And... It's just almost feeling like people reading lines. And anybody that knows anything about the history of Friday Night Lights knows that they weren't given scripts. They were given scenes and told to act out those scenes. And they had certain parts and certain lines that they had to hit, main topics that they had to hit during those conversations. But they were never given scripts. The whole show, I don't want to say the whole show was ad-libbed because it wasn't, but it was like, okay, Coach, you and your wife are going to be in the living room. You're going to be talking about this. Go. And you watch that show and you're like, yeah, it's real. It's realistic. This is how a high school football coach and his wife would act and would talk to each other and how they would talk to each other. And do they have some ups and downs? And how does this thing play out? I mean, I can't gush enough about Friday Night Lights. But interesting to hear Minka Kelly talk about the fact that she had a very toxic relationship with Taylor Kitsch. And, you know, the women who watch Friday Night Lights, you're all well aware. Everybody loved Tim Riggins. He's like the heartthrob of the show. So you're probably thrilled to know that Lila Garrity and and uh, Tim Riggins uh, were fighting off set. And uh, I don't even, you know what, I didn't even think I knew that they dated. I maybe heard it a while back, but it was interesting. Yeah, her memoir is coming out in May, so she's doing press for it now. And I, I, I did not know that her mother was an exotic dancer, uh, raised her by herself, and then was really struggling and got away from her mother for a while while she was into acting. And then the mother uh, got into drugs, and then I think she ended up having getting cancer and dying um, in the early 2000s or something like that. So I don't think I'm going to get her book, but it was interesting to read the excerpts and just kind of get an idea of where Minka Kelly came from in all that. And just want to end with this on the heels of yesterday's weekly podcast, talking with Cecily Nobler about the Pretty in Pink movie and doing a review of that for about an hour. There was a couple things that I just can't believe we forgot to talk about. Number one, one of the best lines in the movie, and you feel it's just the more uncomfortable line but it went with the theme of the movie which was Andy didn't think that she was good enough to date a rich guy and let's be honest her she didn't come from money 
So she didn't dress particularly well. And on her first date with Blaine, he picks her up at tracks. And as they're crossing the street, he says, so do you want to go home and change? And she says, I already did. (laughs) I mean, it just sucks. But that's literally like asking somebody if they're pregnant and they're not. You know, it's literally like, do you want to go? Basically, he's just saying this outfit sucks. Or this isn't you don't look pretty in this outfit or I don't think this is a date material outfit is essentially what he's saying to her. So uh, it was it, it was pretty bad, but it's one of the classic lines of of the movie. I I skimmed through it again last night. And that's how I uh, remembered. I was reminded of it. And again, Man, they have three main kissing scenes in the movie. It's one right after he asks her to go to prom at the end of their first date. Even though <laughs> she asked him if he had a good time tonight. He said, of course I had a good time. I was with you. Good line. But literally their night consisted of her going to his friend's party and wanting to get the hell out of there because his rich, obnoxious friends made her life miserable. And then them going over to the club where not only were my two theme songs to my podcast playing, but Ducky's there a little bit drunk and jealous that Andy has a man on her arm and he makes that situation for them completely uncomfortable. And they end up leaving after like a minute of arriving. So they didn't really have the greatest first date. And then when they're leaving that area, And they're leaving that bar. He wants to spend more time with her. And he's like, let me take you home. And then she's like, no, I don't want to. And then they keep having this back and forth. And he's like, why don't you want me to take you home? And then she screams at him because I don't want you to know where I live. Okay. (laughs) It's like literally one of the worst first dates ever. But then we like the next scene they're driving that he's dropping her off. And they're talking about what a great night they had. No, you didn't. You had a miserable fucking night. The party at your friend's place sucked. Ducky made everything uncomfortable for you at the club. You literally just, she literally just yelled at you because she doesn't want you to know where she lives. You just had a great time? Really? Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, there's literally three times in the movie where they kiss. Right then at that scene when he asked her to prom, when they're in the horse stable, and then the very last scene of the movie when she walks out of prom to go get him because Ducky lets her. I'm telling you, it is some of the worst kissing I've ever seen. I don't know if the people told Andrew McCarthy, hey, you are not allowed to use any tongue. Because he's moving his head around left and right, but no tongue is ever coming out that I see. And it's just awkward. Sometimes his mouth, it looked like it's completely clenched. It's Go watch it. If you didn't watch it after listening to the review yesterday, go watch it this weekend, please. And tell me how awful those kissing scenes are. We've seen kissing in movies. We've seen high schoolers kiss in movies. And it was way hotter than that. (laughs) Like, it was, that was just some of the worst kissing. Anyway, but go check that movie out. It was still great. Watching it for a hundredth time again last night and just seeing bits and pieces. I was fast forwarding through the parts I didn't want to watch, but just wanted to get to uh, the main scenes the best parts are remember i told you yesterday that the 
it was halfway through the movie is right around the time you hear my podcast songs. It's literally almost exactly halfway through the movie because the movie is an hour and 36 minutes. So that's 96 minutes. So half of 96 is 48. It literally happens at the 49 minute mark. Might be right around a little bit before that when they actually walk into the club. So yeah, it's like exactly halfway through the movie when it's after they leave the party with his friends and they go to the club where Ducky and um, Iona are hanging out. Uh, what's her name, right? Iona? Played by Annie Potts? Yeah, Iona. And, you know, right when they walk in the bar is the song from my daily roundup, Rave Up, Shut Up. And then as they're talking at the bar is when the Positively Lost Me song starts playing. But... And you, you, you hear it in the background on both scenes, but then both songs, they do a shot of the band up on stage singing it. So you even if, you, even if you're missing it in the background, you can't possibly miss it when they feature the band for like three to five seconds. Anyway, great movie. Go check it out this weekend. And please give me your thoughts on that kissing because it is the most horrible kissing I've ever seen by two actors in a movie. And it's not even close. And I just want to end with this. And I'm telling you right now, I bet you point zero 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 one percent of you even care about this and even know about this, but I'm going to point it out. Yesterday, I was out for a walk, and on my shuffle, on my, iP- on my phone music, my Apple music, an old school Vanilla Ice song came on. No, not Ice Ice Baby, from his movie. Oh yeah! If you didn't know, there was a there was a Vanilla Ice movie that came out in October of 1991 that I attended the premiere at at Universal Studios, which was the highlight of my life up to that point. It's called Cool as Ice, and his love interest in the movie. I I went down a rabbit hole last night because as it came on, once I got back from my walk, I'm like, hey, whatever happened to that actress in Cool as Ice? What was she ever? What was she in after that? His love interest in the movie Cool as Ice is an actress by the name of Kristen Minter. She ended up going on to ER. I don't know what her character was. I never watched ER, but she was on ER for a few seasons. But Cool as Ice came out in 1991. In 1989, I saw in her IMDb page, she was the oldest girl in the group of kids at the house of the McAllisters in Home Alone. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You talk about randomness. The girl who was the oldest child in Home Alone when they were, you know, getting ready to go and fly and go to Paris. Where did they go to Paris for Home Alone, right? And then uh, they had to fly back and all that stuff. She was the oldest child. And then two years later, she was Vanilla Ice's love interest in Cool as Ice. I mean, talk about random. But yeah. I found that out last night. And after you're done watching Pretty in Pink this weekend, why don't you go pull up Coolest Ice? It is the greatest, worst movie you'll ever see in your life. Ice, by the way, his name is Johnny in the movie. He comes to this town because his bike breaks down, and then he falls for the girl from the other side of the tracks, who she's all prim and proper, She's a horse rider. She does equestrian. She's going to college on a scholarship. And in comes Johnny, bad boy Vanilla Ice, in his FUBU gear and pink and green and yellow pants 
and leather jacket that says down by law on the back and his head shaved and his eyebrows shaved. And it's just this silliness ensues. But, oh, my God, such a great movie. Go watch it if you even can. I don't even know if it's on a streaming service. I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. But I will tell you, I was living in Southern California, and my buddy, my best friend at the time, called up Kiss FM during one of those ticket giveaways, and he won. And he got two tickets to the premiere of Cool as Ice at Universal Studios. And I still have pictures from that night. We... I have I never got a picture with Ice, but who was there? Uh, David Faustino was there, Bud Bundy. Uh, Punky Brewster was there, Soleil Moon Fry. Cuba Gooding Jr. was there, took a picture with him. Who was the other one we got a picture with? Might have been those three. Somebody else was there. Uh, Melissa Milano was there, but I never got a picture with her because I was probably too busy drooling. And might have been some. I mean, there were definitely other people there, other famous people. I just. I was a I was a ninety uh, ones. I was a uh, October of ninety one. I would have been. It would have been the beginning of my yeah. It would have been two months into my junior year of high school, and I think my buddy had just gotten his car too. I don't know how our parents let us go up to Universal Studios on like it was like a school night too. It was like a Thursday night for the premiere of the movie and. Vanilla Ice arrives in limos that are bumping his music, like blasting his music, and he gets out, and he's with his whole posse, and I was in heaven. It was it was literally the greatest night of my life up until that point. Anyway, I don't know how I got off track on this. Sorry. But as you head into the weekend, you have two things to do. I, I just I'm asking you as listeners to do two things. Watch Pretty in Pink, and then watch Cool as Ice. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Go check that out if you're interested. And we will be back on Monday with more Daily Roundup. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you on Monday. See you!